This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you? And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Listen to My Life of Crime ad-free with 48 Hours Plus on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe today. A middle-aged couple doesn't just disappear. Especially a couple with no outstanding debts or apparent family problems. So when a 23-year-old Madison, Wisconsin man reported that both his parents were missing on July 7, 2021, Dane County Sheriff's detectives took the case very seriously. As we learned in part one of the Snapchat tip-off, Sabrina Sims and Brian Shunk were the detectives assigned to the case. They were used to robberies, assaults, even homicides, but neither was prepared for what they would encounter this time, a missing persons case that quickly turned into two horrific murders. The main suspect, that son, Chandler Halderson. You don't think he had anything to do with his mom and dad being unheard from? No. I just, no. That'd be crazy. But I just don't see him killing Mr. and Mrs. Halderson. I'm Erin Moriarty, 48 Hours, and this is my life of crime. The voice you just heard was that of Kat Malander, the girlfriend of Chandler Halderson. It seemed inconceivable to the people who knew Chandler that he would kill anyone. He was a good student, an athlete, a little reserved perhaps, but there weren't any obvious signs of problems in the family. So what really happened? You're about to find out in part two of the Snapchat tip-off. As we learned in part one, Bart and Krista Halderson went missing days just before the July 4th weekend in 2021. A week later, Wisconsin authorities found their remains. Both Bart and Krista had been murdered and then dismembered. And their younger son, Chandler, was linked to one of their murders due to Snapchat a popular social media app tracking the location of his phone. This was not a whodunit, but a why-do-it. Detectives believe that Chandler, acting alone, killed his parents and then conducted an elaborate cover-up, dismembering their bodies and hiding the remains in a field and along the Wisconsin River. What could have been the catalyst for such a baffling act? 
Detective Sabrina Sims and Brian Shunk quickly discovered that Chandler had secrets, lots of secrets, and had been living an elaborate lie for months. And as far as you can tell, did Chandler just lie to his parents or did he lie to friends and to a lot of people? A lot of people. Yeah, he lied to everybody. I mean, he lied to old roommates, girlfriends, his family. I mean, us, you know, he just lied to everybody. No one knows exactly when the lies started. After high school, Chandler enrolled at Madison College and shared an apartment with friends, including Alex Gravatt, a childhood classmate. But in the spring of 2021, Chandler moved out and went back home. Here is Alex. Did you have any idea he had flunked out? He didn't tell you? No. It was surprising. Bart and Krista Halderson were also in the dark, say detectives. And Chandler had gone to great lengths to keep them from finding out. When his parents questioned him about his transcripts, detectives say, at first Chandler came up with excuses. But when his parents persisted, the computer-savvy Chandler went so far as to craft a chain of fake emails appearing to come from the college. Here's Detective Sims. Chandler creates people that work for Madison College and communicates via email with them. You know, Bart's on some of those as well, talking to who he believes is employees of the school. And do any of those people actually exist? No. In June 2021, just a month before the murders, detectives say that Bart Halderson became frustrated and called Madison College directly, pretending to be his son. The call was recorded by Madison College for customer service purposes. Said, I don't see that you were admitted in any program. You said they were, you know, it's the IT degrees in there, right? No, those, those are just classes. You might have just took the classes but not be in the program. Chandler had stopped going to class and flunked out. So where had all that tuition money gone? Detectives believe that after discovering his son wasn't enrolled in school, Bart learned that Chandler had been lying about a lot of things. Chandler didn't have an internship with an insurance company that his parents thought he had. Chandler had also proudly talked about this job waiting for him at SpaceX, Elon Musk's company. He had even told people, including his girlfriend Kat, that he was planning to move to Florida. That was also all a lie. Detectives say Bart, determined to get answers, set up a meeting with college administrators and planned to take Chandler with him. Okay, I'm going to ask both of you, uh, because I can't wait to ask this question anymore, because it's probably the big... What do you both believe happened on July 1st and really July 2nd? What, what happened to Bart? and Krista Halderson. I think that um, on July 1st in the afternoon when um, Chandler and his father were supposed to go to Madison College, I think there was a confrontation about him and his school and not going to school, and I think there was an argument. According to detectives, around 2 p.m., Bart, who was working from home, sent his son this text I'm ready whenever you are. 
Uh, to me, that means BART's ready for this meeting. This meeting has been postponed so many times. And today is the day we're going to Madison College to find out what's going on with your transcripts, what's going on with the tuition payment. It was the last text BART sent. Detectives believe that soon after he sent that text to Chandler, he was ambushed by his son in the basement of their home. Um, but that was the day that everything was gonna come to a head, in my opinion. And I think that there was an argument and I think Bart confronted Chandler about it. Um, and Chandler had access to the SKS rifle. An SKS rifle. That's a semi-automatic Soviet-designed rifle. Chandler got it just weeks earlier as a gift from a soldier he had met online playing video games. Detectives say that Chandler shot his father and then, realizing that his mother, Krista, could come home any minute, he texted her, hoping to delay her from coming home too soon. I think he immediately starts the cleanup process. And he's probably got a lot going on in his head at that point, trying to, you know, what's he going to do when Krista comes home? You know, I don't know if he had already made up his mind at that point, you know, the fate of Krista, or, you know, if that was determined when she arrived at home. But what happened to Krista Halderson when she arrived home? It's difficult to say, and detectives can only speculate since only her dismembered legs were recovered along the Wisconsin River. And because we haven't recovered all of her uh, remains, uh, the medical examiner couldn't determine how she died other than it was by homicidal violence. You know, the only people that know are the Haldersons and their son, and he never talked about it. Detectives believe that both parents were dead by 8 p.m. that night. I don't know about you, but when I first heard that Chandler killed his parents after they discovered his secrets, it was just hard to accept. To kill his parents because they discovered his double life? They're his parents. It just didn't seem like enough of a reason, as if there is ever a good reason for murder. But what is equally hard to believe is that Chandler clearly thought that he could still get away with his lies if he cleaned up and continued to lie, because listen to what he did next. And on that, we have surveillance video of him going to a store and purchasing 20 pounds of ice and coming back to the house. And I think the main question is, you know, why did he need that much ice? The answer? At some point during the search of the Halderson home, detectives noticed an emptied freezer in an odd location. I mean, do you believe, and I, I hate to even discuss these, but do you believe that that's where Chandler put his parents some point um, after he had dismembered the bodies? Human blood was collected from the drain of that freezer. I need to warn you, the details only get worse. According to detectives, security camera footage revealed what appears to be a glow from the fireplace. Here's Detective Brian Shunk again. But then also the camera system on the back of the house, upon review, you were able to see some glowing on certain windows at nighttime. 
And what was that glow that you know now? What was the glow that could be seen in the windows? The fireplace. And what was Chandler doing with the fireplace? So Chandler, it was proven that uh, there was human remains located in the fire pit. Um, so Chandler was burning his parents. Investigators found hundreds of pieces of bone inside that fireplace. But at some point, the glass doors to the fireplace cracked and shattered, and they now believe that's how Chandler cut his toe. So that then explains, when you realize that, does that then explain why he's telling the story about the broken glass? And, you know, supposedly throwing a ball and breaking the glass of the fireplace door. Is that Chandler trying to explain why the glass is broken? Yes. That's exactly it. As the horror of what happened in the house that night sunk in, detectives struggled to understand how that young man was able to wear a mask of normalcy for nearly a week that fooled everyone. So even after going through something that would be to most people emotionally exhausting, if not physically exhausting, he then socialized with people over the weekend. He did, yeah. He spent, um, you know, in the days after, up until he reported them missing, he was with numerous people. Um, you know, it was Fourth of July weekend, um, so he had spent some time at like a family um, barbecue with others. Um, you know, just, I guess, went about things as if everything was normal. You know, I'm not sure, like, I don't really know how to um, wrap my brain around, like, what was going through his mind after he killed his parents and did what he did to his parents and then, you know, try to just maintain a, a life of normalcy as if, nobody was going to question or find out what happened. Like, it's really, I just don't really understand what, um, what he was thinking and how anybody could do what he did. No one could understand it. Detectives wondered if there had been some kind of serious problems in the family, but they could find nothing. After Chandler's arrest, he was kept at the Dane County Jail. He met with attorneys, and believe it or not, he kept communicating with his girlfriend, Kat, the very person whose phone helped lead police to Krista Halderson's remains. Chandler and Kat texted regularly while Chandler was awaiting trial in jail. And we know because those texts were monitored by the sheriff's department and have been made public. Listen to some of the exchanges. They reveal a lot about Chandler's mindset. We've asked two colleagues to read those texts verbatim. They are partially redacted. Good morning, wifey. Good morning, hubby. More from those text messages in a moment. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. 
But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. We obtained jailhouse texts between Chandler and Kat, almost 75 pages worth of messages spanning from September 2021 to November 2021, and they are disturbing. Even after everything the couple have been through, from Kat turning her phone over to the police and showing them the Snapchat evidence, to Chandler being charged with both his parents' murders, from these texts, it appears that the couple was seemingly still together. And even untroubled by what Chandler is facing. For this next section, two of my colleagues are reading Chandler and Kat's text verbatim. They are partially redacted. Today is court, so I'm sorry if you have to hear about it. I love you, and everything's going to be okay. Just do your hair, wear your glasses, and show people you don't look like a monster, like how they're trying to say you are in the news. Remember, Relax and don't be too intense. I doubt I'll hear about it because I'll be at work all day. Chandler is facing life in prison, and yet the couple talk about the day they'll be together. We also can't have you not making a livable wage until after I finish school and get a job. And yes, I'll do a job that pays to get you through school. Chandler wrote about buying new clothes. Kat talked about going to Target with him to pick out decorations for their home together. They even discussed the food they would cook when Chandler got out of jail. Maybe I can make you my good sloppy joe when you're out. I love a good sloppy joe. It's not clear what Chandler told his girlfriend, but she clearly thought he could be leaving jail soon. I know I will have a hard time. I mean, it won't be too bad, hun, since hopefully you won't be there much longer after January, right? It's the tone of the texts that are so disturbing, as if what Chandler is facing is perfectly normal. When Chandler describes an inmate who seems threatening, Does he know about what you're accused of? Maybe then he'll leave you alone like the rest. Kat talks a lot about missing Chandler. I'm having a really, really hard time doing it, hon. You're my person, and I don't have my person. Like, we're supposed to be there in times like this for each other. Are you and your team confident? I just really want this all to be over. I am too, dear, and I miss you so dang much. I honestly have no idea if my team is confident or not. Plus, IDK, they even know what you've been talking about. But I am confident. Okay, hon. If you're confident, I'ma keep pushing and keep going. It's just so hard, and I don't know anything, and it's a lot for me mentally. And they talk about the news coverage of the case and what people are saying about Chandler. People haven't been saying the best stuff, especially some of your exes. On the news, they ask for people to call in with opinions of you. I'm sorry, you'll have to relive the situations, but the people that hate me will be shouting the loudest. Chandler is a smart guy, and he knows that the sheriff's department is monitoring his calls and these texts. As far as we can tell, There's no mention at all of his parents. Kat and Chandler talk only about themselves. I love you a ton. And whatever happens, it won't change that fact. I love you more. 
and I hope you get good news and everything goes well. Even if Chandler and Kat were consciously avoiding talking about legal issues, these text messages are still bizarre. They come across as disconnected from the horror of his parents' deaths. And I keep wondering, how is Kat still talking to this man? Did she really not suspect anything? But if Kat had any idea that her boyfriend had killed his parents, would she have willingly handed over her phone to investigators? Especially since it was a Snapchat screenshot that she saved on her phone that helped build the case against Chandler. What we do know is that Kat met with investigators again, this time with her attorney, and she told them she had no idea what had happened to Chandler's parents. We also know that by the time the new year comes, Kat Mallinder is on the state's witness list, and she's scheduled to testify against the man she calls Hubby. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Just five months after Chandler Halderson was arrested, on January 4th, 2022, he went on trial at the Dane County Courthouse for the murder of his parents, Bart and Krista Halderson. He was also charged with lying to the police and with mutilating and hiding their bodies. Our job is to, over the course of the next couple of weeks, present evidence to show you the path of what we believe happened. Assistant District Attorney William Brown. Chandler Halderson killed his parents, dismembered their bodies, and hid them around southern Wisconsin. Prosecutor Brown laid out for the jury what he believed was the motive. Chandler murdered his parents, he said, when his lies were about to be exposed. Among the evidence, those fake email accounts that he created. No one uses a Gmail account as their official Madison College email? No. There was also his fictitious internship with an insurance company. I found no record of that person working for American Family. Prosecutors also brought in the former soldier who had given Chandler that semi-automatic rifle that he used to kill Bart. Good afternoon, sir. Could you please state your name and then spell it out? Andrew Smith. How do you spell it? Alpha, November, Delta, Romeo, Echo, Whiskey. Andrew Smith testified that he was in the military when he met Chandler online. Chandler had wanted a gun. But Smith told the jury he never asked Chandler why he wanted it. In June 2021, Smith says he gave Chandler not only the rifle, but also, and get this, nearly 480 rounds of ammunition. Keep in mind, it was the same month that Bart was asking his son a lot of questions. Chandler may have realized that he had run out of excuses, 
and time. How did Chandler react when you gave him the gun? Oh, he was happy. What do you mean? But how do you know he was happier? How do you how do you know that? Because he had a big smile on his face when I had given it to him as a gift. The most anticipated and maybe the most surprising witness to testify against Chandler, especially in light of those jailhouse texts, was his girlfriend Kat. Could you please state and spell your name for us? Uh, Catherine Melander. For three hours, a sometimes tearful Kat Malander sat on the stand telling the jury about what happened the week the Haldersons disappeared. She said she was working on Thursday, July 1st and didn't see her boyfriend at all that day, the day that investigators believe that Chandler actually killed his mom and dad. But you weren't with him? I was not with him. Did you know that Bart and Crystal Halderson had died? No. Kat and Chandler communicated mostly through texts at the time. Prosecutor William Brown read some of their messages as he questioned Kat. You read what Chandler sent you on the 2nd of July at just before 10 in the morning at 9.58. We could do dinner tonight and you can come over in the morning again and stay till Sunday night. Okay. Um, did that message strike you as odd? of coming over, leaving, and coming back? Yes. Chandler's explanation? So I can get some chores done? Chandler was likely cleaning the crime scene at home because hours later, Chandler asked Kat to bring over ice and a few cleaning supplies. He told her that he had injured himself. And now hydrogen peroxide because I stepped on glass. He also asked her to bring over a mop that night. When you first go in the house that day, um, did you notice anything off? There was a smoky smell. What was also unusual, she told the jury, was that Chandler had asked her to sleep with him in the living room that night by the fireplace, not in his bedroom. Investigators believe that Chandler wanted to keep his eye on her and didn't want Kat wandering through the house and finding any evidence. The following morning, July 3rd, Kat left the Halderson home before 7 a.m. That day when you left, were you aware of what Chandler's plans were? To do chores. Kat, apparently oblivious to what had happened in the house, said she sent a message and offered to help Chandler. Did he ask you to help him? No. As the day went by, Kat said, she sent more text messages to Chandler, but she didn't receive a response. At some point that day, after you left, um, did you notice that Chandler was in a... Did you look at his Snapchat map to look at where he was? Yes. And did you become worried or concerned in some way? Yes. Showing it's been marked as exhibit number 532. What is that? A screenshot of Chandler by the Wisconsin River. Snapchat showed Chandler's location at the time. It placed him by the Wisconsin River, near where searchers later found Krista Halderson's remains. It was one of the most incriminating direct pieces of evidence against Chandler. And then Kat was asked the question that was likely on every juror's mind. Did she know what her boyfriend had done? 
Kath, did you have absolutely anything to do with cleaning anything up or their disappearance? No. Investigators believe she's telling the truth that neither Kat nor Chandler's older brother had any idea that Chandler had been involved in the murders until his arrest. Investigators believe he acted alone. Through the numerous interviews and all of the times she was questioned, the information in her phone, um, other things we could verify and cor corroborate, um, you know, she was alibied out, and I don't believe she knew anything. Um, I think she believed all his lies, like everybody else. But keep in mind, the case against Chandler Halderson is circumstantial. No one saw him kill his parents or saw him move their bodies. Does he have an explanation? We don't know, because his attorneys called no witnesses, and Chandler Halderson chose not to take the stand. Instead, his defense attorneys spoke for him. Catherine Dorrell reminded the jury that there were a lot of unanswered questions. What happened to the Haldersons? What happened in that Haldersons' home? You just aren't going to know what happened. And his other defense attorney, Crystal Vera, insisted that there was just too much doubt. Halderson told a lot of lies, she told the jury, but he wasn't a killer. I guarantee you that the 12 of you that are going to go back and deliberate are all going to have 12 different theories on what happened, and that's a problem. I'm asking you to find him not guilty of first-degree intentional homicide. But Assistant District Attorney William Brown got the last word. This is a first-degree intentional homicide. You cannot shoot someone in the back. You cannot chop them up. You cannot scatter their remains and come to any other conclusion. And there is only one person who did those things here. And that is Chandler Halderson. We're asking you to find him guilty. Thank you. A little over two hours later. We, the jury, find the defendant, Chandler M. Halderson, guilty of first-degree intentional homicide as to Barday Halderson, guilty of providing false information, guilty of mutilating a corpse, guilty of first-degree intentional homicide, guilty of mutilating a corpse, guilty of hiding a corpse. Chandler Halderson was found guilty on all eight charges, although his two convictions for hiding his parents' corpses were later vacated on procedural grounds. Cases like this are just so frustrating. Chandler Halderson had the right not to testify on his own behalf, but it means we may never know what happened in the house on that terrible night. Was there some explanation for this horrific event? And then, in March of 2022, Chandler Halderson, who was back in court to be sentenced, surprised nearly everyone when he told the judge he had something to say. Your Honor, I want to take this opportunity to state my intent to appeal my convictions. If there are any lawyers listening and willing to take on my appeal, take a moment to please reach out to me. It's not that I do not have feelings. It's that I was warned to not show them due to the scrutiny of this case. Thank you. That was it. 
nothing about his parents, no word of regret, remorse, or even loss. I later asked his mother's cousin, Barbie Townsend, what she thought. What was your reaction when he had the chance to speak and all he did was ask for a lawyer to take an appeal? What was your I, reaction? I was actually disgusted. I just couldn't believe it. Like, you can't even say I'm sorry. Chandler Halderson was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, which is where he remains today. I wish I could shed some light on the reason why he took the lives of Krista and Bart Halderson, two people who were so loved by their friends and family. Is Chandler Halderson suffering from some kind of mental illness that could explain his behavior? He never raised it at trial. I'm Erin Moriarty, 48 Hours, and that's my life of crime. This podcast series is developed by 48 Hours in partnership with CBS News Radio and Paramount. Judy Tigard is 48 Hours executive producer. Megan Marcus is vice president for podcast editorial at Paramount. Production and editing for this season by Caroline Casey, Annie Cronenberg, Danny Levy, Megan Marcus, Kiara Norbitz, and Alan Pang. This episode was also produced by Marcelina Spencer of 48 Hours. And finally, a thank you to all of you, our listeners. We owe it all to you, the millions of 48 Hours fans. Don't forget to join me online. I'm at EF Moriarty on X, and we're at 48 Hours on X, Facebook, and Instagram. See you soon. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money, and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.